Interwomack Ministries presents this session from the 2014 Karis Bible College Campus Days. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Pastors Lawson and Barbara, come on up. Amen. Thank you. So, am I on? I'm on. Great. It's good to see everyone. Just, uh, just to want to say, first of all, that we're very appreciative of Andrew and Jamie Womack and how much we love them. And we're so glad to be a part of this ministry, so uh, glad to be a part of the Bible school. Um, we love to teach the Word of God. And the Word of God has changed my life. I first met Andrew in 1978, so 36 years ago. And uh, his message changed my life. The Word of God has changed my life. Praise God. And so this is my beautiful wife, Barbara, and I'm going to have her share just a little bit, but she's got so much revelation and it's just amazing. I had a student, we were here the other day and we were doing a test review and they were having problems with their child and they wanted to give them drugs at school. And Barbara brought them up and just told them. She said, I told them three times. And I was up here the next week teaching. She said, I did that. It's amazing the peace that's happened in my home. And, and all that stuff, is st school has stopped and somebody else is having a problem with their little child. And Barbara told them something. I told her last night driving home from church. I'm like, honey, that had to come from the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I don't know if she liked me saying it had to come from the Holy Ghost, but it was amazing. And they did it one time. And this, this child was having a major little challenge, just a young child, but it just changed like that. Amen. So she's going to share something really quickly, and then I'm going to get up and teach. Well, praise the Lord. I think every meeting needs a spontaneous Holy Ghost moment. I'm not in the notes, so I'm the spontaneous moment. But actually, my husband is always so kind and gracious to share the microphone with me. And so I talked to him what I felt like the Lord wanted me to share. I really believe the testimony, I'm going to share one of our family's healing testimonies. I really believe it's going to really help unlock the door for someone else here. What's neat about God, he's not constrained to something, uh, a miracle being performed just one certain way. And so when our middle son, his name is Andrew, when he was a very little boy, he was tormented with asthma. It was just terrible. We had started a church in a very small, um, isolated agricultural town, and so there was no doctors, no hospitals here. We started this church, and we were pastoring, so very remote. And anyway, he was just tormented with asthma, and it was uh, trips to the ER. So we had to load him up and take him to another town where they'd give him shots and treatment. And this went on for a period of time, and, and our family, you know, we believe that God is good, and we believe his word is true, and so we wrote healing scriptures out, and we had a healing scripture on every bedroom door, and we had it on the bathroom mirrors, and on the refrigerator, and on the window above um, our kitchen sink, so you couldn't walk through our house without seeing these healing scriptures, but yet these um, very disturbing and negative challenges, you know, lasted for years, and we just stayed firm, um, you know, believing that God was good and trusting his word. Well, then one spring, his little school had a track and field day. There was about a half a dozen schools that were um, invited, and, and we met at even a more remote agriculture area. This school was just built and plopped in the middle of a field, and so there was nothing around here. Again, no doctors, no hospitals. You're just far out in rural America. And he was running this half-mile race, and he ran the first lap around. It was a very exciting race. All these little kids were very competitive, and it was a very exciting time. And he made it around the one lap, and then they were working on the second lap. And during the second lap, 
he, um, you could tell, everyone could tell, everyone in the stands, everyone could tell something is wrong with this little boy. He was having an asthma attack, but because he's so competitive, he didn't want to stop. And so he kept running and he kept running, and it came to the point where everybody was up off their seats thinking something, you could just tell something was wrong with this little boy. They could tell this was a very um, serious time. And so I, I met our son. He made it through the, the finish line, and I met him there. There was an impact where he basically just collapsed into my, my hands and my arms. I had my left hand on his chest, my right hand on his back, and I was just holding him up. And the same time he um, ran past the finish line, his little body was completely out of air. His eyes rolled back in his head. His head fell back. His arms went limp. It was like just hanging on to a little rag doll. There was like no, it's like you could feel all the life and strength go out of him. And so one of, you know, and everybody's, there's just this, um, you know, atmosphere of panic and fear. And so one of his little classmates comes up to me and says, where's Andrew's inhaler? I'll go get it. And it dawned on me, I forgot it. So I said, I forgot it. And this little boy, this little classmate friend of my, of my son's with tears in his eyes and absolute disgust and hate, hatred for me said, what kind of mother are you in front of everybody? And I think just years of seeing the word posted through a house, something rose up in me. I, I just thought it. I didn't say it, but something rose up. And I thought, I'm the kind of mother that knows how to pray. And I just began to say, in Jesus' name, I command the swelling in the esophagus to go down. And in Jesus' name, I command air and oxygen to flow through his body. I command strength and life to come. And it, yeah, I didn't yell. I didn't shout. I wasn't mad at God or mad at anybody. I was just so focused. And anyway, I, it was amazing. It was just a few things I said. And his eyes opened back up, and his head came back up, and I could feel life and strength back in his arms. And then he was standing, and then he took a couple of steps, and, and he was a little wobbly at first, but our son was completely healed in that moment. So praise God. Praise God. And so um, kind of amazing after those encouraging words. <laughs> but, so I tell my husband, you know, we were just really grateful that our son was healed. And I mean, we've had plenty of opportunities since then to believe God. But I, I thought, I, I need to get some information from God. I was thinking, what happened on that day, God? Why was it years? I mean, years we were believing. And then in one moment, he was instantly healed. And I believe this is what God told me. He said, on that day, you believed I was a good God. You believed in my word, but on that day, you took your authority and you used it. And so, to answer the question, what kind of mother am I? I'm the kind of mother that knows how to pray and take her God-given authority and activate it. Amen? So anyway, I'm going to teach really uh, quick on taking our authority in Christ, but before I do this, I'm going to teach another lesson, but I'm going to give you the, I teach in series a lot. So I'm going to give you the first lesson really quickly. And I'm going to talk about the foundation for authority. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth, okay? And so we know we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to ask uh, right now, I want uh, <laughs> Barry and Greg and hallelujah. Amen. And Barry to come up here. <laughs> Nothing like a blank moment. <laughs> so we're going to say that Greg is God the Father. And we're going to say that Barry is God the Holy Ghost. And we're going to say that 
Gary is God the Son. Come up here. And because, you know, when I grew up, we were kind of taught, you know, you got the angel over here and he's telling you this. You got the devil over here and he's telling you this. And, and whichever one you listen to is which way you're going to go. But in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost were all involved in the creation. And when God created the heaven and earth, after he created, he created a beautiful garden. And in it, he placed Adam and Eve. And so I'm going to ask Danny and Tanya to come up here for a minute. And we're going to say, and guys come right up here to the edge, that, that we were cre created. And the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, chapter 8, that we were made just a little bit lower than God. Okay? A little bit lower than the angels. Turn around and face the crowd so they can see you stand. That's great. All right. Actually, you come up here. It'll be better. Okay? So they were created in the image of God, Adam and Eve, and they were created just a little bit lower than God. If you, if you study that out in Psalms chapter 8, it said he made them just a little bit lower than the angels or Elohim than God himself. Then we know uh, that Satan came, okay, and he lied to Eve, so I'm going to ask Ashley if he'll come up and be <laughs> Satan. So he came up. <laughs> I, know, I knew Gary would like that. <laughs> and so he came up and he lied to Eve, okay, so the devil came up and lied to Eve, and she believed his lie, okay, so Satan was down here, right? All right. And so when she when she believed his lie, what happened was Satan usurped the authority of man. And so Adam and Eve came down on this level. OK, so you guys can come down here. All right. And, and then Satan had authority. Satan is still the God of this world or this present evil age. Jesus is still Lord over the earth. He still created everything. And what Jesus did it talks about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 2 and basically says that Jesus was made a little lower than the angels. And when it says angels in Hebrews chapter 2, it's angelos in the Greek, it's angels. So Jesus came down on the level of humanity. He came down to where we, we are. And Jesus tasted death for every man. And, and Jesus, even though he had never sinned, took our sin and, and he did it for the purpose that when we surrender our lives to him, Jesus conquered the devil and defeated him. Conquered the devil, defeat him. <laughs> Praise God. He defeated the devil. All right. He defeated the devil. So he defeated the devil. Okay. And, and what Jesus did was, yeah, it took about that long. It took about 15 seconds for Jesus to defeat the devil. And then Jesus restored us to our God-given position of authority. And so now, Jesus, go back up in heaven with God the Father. He's seated at the right hand. Actually, he's at the right hand of God. We've got that backwards. All right. So we got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Okay. And he, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, he restored us to our God-given position of authority. Okay. And so where the devil really is... We're, the, the, he, Ephesians 2 verse 6 says that he's raised us up and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So he's restored us to our position of authority. And where the devil is, is the devil is under our feet. You can still go up here. He's under our feet. All right. So to tell you the truth, to tell you the truth, we have to take, it's not like the devil over here and God over here. 
And if you, you know, or the angel over here and the devil over here. The, the truth is Satan is under our feet and we have to take a step down out of our God given position of authority, even to get involved in the devil's junk as a believer. Okay, so that's a foundation of authority. And we have authority in Christ Jesus. We've been restored to a position of authority. Now in this lesson, go sit down. Thank you all so much, especially thank you to Ashley. Bless you. <laughs> so I'm going to talk just a little bit about taking our authority. And Barbara just talked about, she had that before she knew what I was going to teach on. So we're driving home from church. I said, well, I have a lot to teach, but I'll let you take just a few minutes. She said, I'm going to share this example. I said, it goes perfect with my lesson. But this scripture in, in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 11 says this, ask of me things to come concerning my sons and concerning the works of my hands, command ye me. Now, when Andrew was here just a couple of hours ago and he was sharing, he talked about how God has an overall general will for all of humanity. And we find that in the scripture, his plan of salvation, his plan for us to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, his plan for us to get the truth of the word, his plan for us to be healed, his plan for us to prosper, his plan for us to have peace. All that's in the general will of God. And we find that in the Word of God. But he also talked about how God has a specific will for our life. And what this scripture says in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 11, he says, Ask me of things to come concerning my sons. In other words, ask me what I want to do. Ask me about the specific will that I have in my children's lives. And then concerning, concerning the works of my hands, command ye me. Now, I have three sons. And you know, they, they, I'm still their father and we still have a very close relationship. And they're growing and they're serving God and they're learning. But, you know, they're in life and they're in the world and they deal with challenges. And so many times in the different transitions that they're going through, I'll be praying for them. And I'll ask things from God. You know, I'll, I'll go to my prayer closet. That's my, in, now it's my family room in the house we have. And I go down in the family room and I lay on the couch and I pray at night. And you know what? God will give me a word for my children. And you know what? I'll take the word and I'll speak it to them. And I'll give the word to them. You know, it's not like God can't give it to them because they have a relationship with God and he gives them things too. But a lot of times they'll take the word that I've given them, that I've heard, and, and, and they'll, they'll take it and run with it. And they'll take it to an entirely different dimension. And, and it'll get, I mean, it'll just explode on the inside of them. And you're just watching. You're like, wow, Jesus, that's amazing. Praise God, I gave them this little thing and now they've taken and expanded and it's just exploding. That, that's how the word is. There's power in the word. I, I like what Andrew said, you know, the, the word is, is more powerful than anything. And, and what Barry said talking about the word is more powerful than an atomic bomb. The, the power of the word, when you get a hold of the word, the word of God will change your life. And so when you begin to find out what the word says, you know, you, then you begin to find out you can take your God-given authority and you don't have to just take stuff off the devil. Yeah. Amen. In fact, too many of us put up with too much stuff and we need to start taking our God-given authority. Well, Jesus said this, he said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be open. But James says this in James chapter 4, verse 2, you lust and you have not and you kill and you desire to have and you cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. 
In other words, if you want God to do some things, you need to find out what he says in his word. You need to find out what he promises you. You need to find out what his specific will is concerning your life. You know, ask me things to come concerning my sons and then concerning the works of my hand, command ye me. So if you never ask, if you never make a demand, you're never going to really get anywhere in the life of faith. God has a great will. He has a great plan for humanity in general. And he has a very great plan for your personal life. But if you're going to walk out God's personal plan for your life, you're going to have to, what, ask him about some things. Now, as we go on down through this, James chapter 4. Let's just go to James chapter 4 really quick. I'll use my Bible. Praise the Lord. Are you excited? If you can't tell, I'm excited, okay? And so he says, why are there wars and fightings among you? Don't they come from here? Even your lust that war in your members, you lust, you have not, you kill, you desire to have, you cannot obtain, you fight, you war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it on your own lusts. In other words, a lot of times people are asking for things and they're not really getting answers. Now, I'm not talking about things that are specifically the, the will of God, God's general will for all of humanity, but I'm talking about individual things. And, and sometimes it's because maybe that's not the, you know, you might need to ask God if, it, if it's his will for you to go to Africa. Right? There are certain places, Paul was, you know, going into all the world and preaching the gospel, but certain places the Holy, said, Holy Ghost said, don't go here. Right? And he was praying about somewhere else in the Holy Spirit, you know, he, he had like a check in the Spirit. And then he had a dream in the Holy Spirit. He said, he saw a man of Macedonia, come over here. So you need to know God's specific will. And he says, sometimes you're asking for things and you're not getting them because you're, you're, you're asking on your own lust. It's not because of our own strength or resources, but it's through our dependence on our relationship with God. And when we're in a relationship with God, guess what? The will of God is as easy as breathing. I love something that Dr. Summerall said. He said, I have three sons and they don't run up to my bedroom in the house. They used to have this two-story house that he had moved to South Bend, Indiana. They don't run up there every, every morning and say, Daddy, 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 what's your will for me today? Daddy, 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 what's your will for me today? Daddy, 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 what's your will for me today? Daddy, 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 what's your will? No, he said, my sons have a relationship with me and because they have a relationship with me, they know what my will is as their father for their life. You have a relationship with God and when you're walking in this relationship with God as you delight yourself in the Lord he will give you the desires of your heart and so it's something that's coming from the inside of you and so when we're asking once we find God's specific purpose will and direction for our life then we can make some commands now it, it, we go on down and read here in James 4 verse 6 and he tells us he says but he gives more grace wherefore he says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He goes on in verse 10 and says, humble yourselves in the sight of, well, I should read verse seven. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, some people are, think they're having a lot of problem with the devil, but really the problem is they haven't submitted themselves to God. And when you submit yourselves to God, guess what? You resist the devil and it's no trouble. It's no problem. So as you submit yourself to God. So they put this in my notes. True humility is asking God and then relying on our relationship with him. In other words, in our relationship, we find out what he wants, we find out what his desire is, and then we ask him and we rely on the, our relationship with him to bring it to pass. So our strength is in our relationship with God.
That's where our strength uh, comes from. Now, what does it mean to ask? That's what I really want to talk about today. And I want to talk about, you know, the, the way that we ask. Because a lot of people are going to God like beggars. And the thing is, when you're God's child, when you're God's sons and God's daughters, you are not a beggar anymore. In fact, Galatians chapter 4 says you're no more servants but sons. Now, I know we serve God out of love, but at the same point in time, we are, we are, we are the sons and daughters of God. And we've been repositioned. We've give, been given this position of authority in Christ. He raised us up. We just showed that picture, right? And he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And where the devil is, is under our feet. And so when you study the Greek word for ask... In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, it's where Jesus said, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. If you study out in the Greek, it says, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. Or ask and receive and keep on asking. Right? Ask and you shall receive and keep asking. You know, you don't, you, you never stop in your relationship with God. In fact, I'm believing God today for more than I've ever believed him for in my life. And I hope everyone in this room is like that. I hope that you're moving forward in your relationship with God. And I hope that you're believing God for more than you've ever believed him for in your life. And, and so this, but this word in the Greek, ask, is the word ahiteo. And it means to ask, to call, to crave, to desire. To ask, to call, to crave, desire, or to require. Require something. The, it, there's another Greek word for ask. It's panthanomai, and it means to question for an inquiry. Now, a lot of people, rather than, than, than requiring something or making a demand of something, they're, they're just you know, kind of coming to God like a beggar and, and having a question or an inquiry. Once you find out what the will of God is, once you know what the will of God is, it's no longer time to be making inquiry. Then it's time to be making a demand. So when you study this out in the Greek, ahiteo differs from pahanthamai because it means this, to make a demand based on something due. Now I remember when I was a kid, I lived down here in Penrose, Colorado, not very far from here. My parents lived in a 10 by 60 trailer house. Right? They drove old cars with hundreds of thousands of miles on them. And I remember the little neighbor boy came over. You, you know those yellow Tonka trucks? The metal ones. I mean the good ones. I mean, Barbara just threw it away because it rusted out just a couple of years ago when we moved to our new house in Colorado Springs. You know, but I still have that truck. But my neighbor boy, you know, he came over to my house and he stole my truck. And you know what I did? I went over to his house and I got my truck back. I took my truck back. And the reason I took my truck back because it was my truck. Praise God. And the devil's tried to steal some things from, from some of you. He's tried to steal your peace. He's tried to steal your joy. He's tried to steal your health. He's tried to steal your wealth. He's tried to steal your freedom. But you need to go get it back. You need to go take it back. And when you, when you get in the Word of God, you can find out there are some things that are yours and you can take it back. 
Praise God, I found out when Andrew Womack came to town in Lamar, Colorado in 1978 that it's not God's will for us to be poor, praise God. And so I'm gonna refuse to live poor. And I found out when he came to town, it's not God's will for us to be sick. So I refuse to stay sick. I refuse to live sick. I am the healed of the Lord. See what I'm saying? In other words, when you find out what the scripture says, when you find out that what the Bible says, then, then you can begin to make a demand based on some things that are due to you. You can make a requirement. You're not coming to God like a poor little beggar. Oh, please, God, would you just do something about the situation? He's saying, I wish you'd do something about it. <laughs> Devil, get out of my life. In other words, take your God-given authority. Praise God. Now, now, when you begin to understand this, it means to ask to make a demand of something due. It, it means this, if you study it out in John, and in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure. He said, guys, I'm going to go, but don't worry about it because I'm going to send the Holy Ghost and he's going to be with you. But during that time in John 14, 15, and 16, then he goes into 17, he begins to pray for his disciples and then those who would believe on him where Barry was. But, but he says some things about prayer. And so I want you to uh, turn with me to John chapter 14, and I want you to look with me at this scripture, John chapter 14, and we'll look at verse 12 to verse 14. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 12. Notice what it says here. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he who believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. So, so then he says, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, Jesus said that we're going to do the same works that he did in greater works. You know what the greater work is? The greater work salvation. Jesus said he that's least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was the greatest one that had ever been born of women at that point in time. Except for Jesus himself. And the greater work is salvation. And, and Jesus secured our salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And believe me, I can get completely excited beside myself just talking about being born again. What it means to be saved. What it means to be a new creation in Christ. It's exciting. But, but he says, I want you to make some demands. Notice he says, whatever you ask, he says, the works that I do shall he do also and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. In other words, we need to be making some demands based on Christ's work of redemption, based on what he did in his death, burial, and resurrection, because I go to my Father. And then we need to be making some demands based on the name of Jesus. 
whatever you ask. He's given us the power of attorney to use his name. And when we come to God in prayer, it's not just little Lawson coming before God in prayer. I'm coming in the name of Jesus. And so I'm coming, first of all, I receive righteousness based on my faith in Jesus. But then through my righteousness in Jesus, my righteousness in Christ gives me a foundation for everything as a believer that I would need to ask. And in, in, in other words, somebody said this years ago in the Bible school, and it's a very powerful statement. There's only really two things that you need to ask for as a believer and believe for. Number one is righteousness. And number two is redemption. What redemption? See, and, and when you begin to understand, you receive righteousness by faith. But then as a righteous, redeemed child of the almighty God, you can come and you can make some demands based on what Jesus secured in his death and resurrection. Whatever you ask in my name, I'm going to give it to you. Praise God. I can ask in the name of Jesus for healing because Jesus secured my healing at the cross. He paid for my healing at the same time he paid for my sin so I have just as much right to be healed in my body as I do to be forgiven for my sin. Thank God I can, I can make a demand or I can ask based, based on what Jesus for my provision. Why? Because Jesus made provision for me at the cross. He became poor so that we might become rich. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9. It is the atonement that secured our health. It is the atonement that secured our prosperity prosperity and our provision. It is the atonement that secured our peace. It is the atonement that secured our righteousness. It is the atonement that secured our freedom. It is what Jesus did in his death and resurrection. And so he said, Jesus said, whatever you ask the father in my name, the same works that I do and greater works than these shall you do because I go to my father, because I'm going to go pay the price. I'm going to finish the work. I'm going to complete the deal. And he did it. It's already done. It's already finished. Secondly, we make a demand based on his will in us and his word in us. Turn, turn with me to John chapter 15, verse 7. Two requirements to get all your prayers answered. Do you want to have all your prayers? How many, want, how many of you want to have all your prayers answered? John 15, verse 7. If you abide in me. If you abide in me, if you take up residence in me and my word abides in you. If you abide, if you've taken up residence in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask what you will. Guess what? If you're abiding in him, we used to sing this song years ago when Andrew let our, you know, he used to come play a 12 string guitar. He was his own praise and worship man. <laughs> praise God. And then when he got done with that, he, he hooked up his, he taught in my aunt's house in her apartment for a while. And, and then he hooked up his mic to his little Marantz cassette deck. He was his own sound man. In fact, I, I brought a banker up here with me today that helped him, you know, buy the property initially. And he came up and he knew Andrew just a little bit before I did. And, and he said, it's amazing, Lawson. He said, I know Andy. He said, he used to come to our meetings and ha have a Bible study. And if we didn't take up an offering for him, he didn't have gas to get home. <laughs> and he said, build this place cost 30 some million dollars. Pay gas. He said, it, it's amazing. He, he, he just, <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing what faith will do. Amen. Have faith in God. 
It's amazing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you want. Whatever you want. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. What do you want? What do you, I'm not talking about your flesh. I'm not talking about your soul. I'm talking about your spirit. I'm talking about where God is. What do you want? You know, I, when I was a child, I, I went to, you know, I got born again when I was eight. I, my parents took me to Psalm 23 and said, memorize that. And I got stuck on the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I thought that is wrong. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd and I want him. <laughs> but I found out when the Lord's my shepherd, I don't have to want. The young lions, they want and they suffer hunger, but those who trust in the Lord, they shall not want any good thing. The desire of the righteous is only good. The desire of the righteous is a tree of life. You just need to understand the difference between your spirit and your flesh and know what's coming out of your heart, coming out of your spirit. And so he says, number one, make a demand based on my name, based on my work, because I go unto my Father. He says, number two, make a demand based on your will in me, if you abide in me. But we used to sing this song. I was going to sing it for you. Abiding in the vine, abiding in the vine, love, joy, health, peace, he has made them mine. I have prosperity, healing and victory, abiding, abiding in the vine. Yeah, we used to, Andrew used to play that on a little 12-string guitar, <laughs> praise God. And we'd sing those songs, we'd sing the Word, we got the Word in us, amen, the Word changed our life. But then he goes on down in verse 16, notice what he says, in John 15, verse 16, you have not chosen me, marvelous, you've not chosen me, you've not chosen me. This, isn't, this just wasn't your idea, but I've chosen you. And I've ordained you. I've handpicked you. I have a purpose for your life. That you would go and bring forth fruit. That your fruit should remain. But whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He may give it to you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name. Number one, make a demand based on my name and based on my work. Number two, make a demand based on your will in me and based on my word in you. Number three, make a demand based on my work through you. It's not, it's not your choosing. It's not your ordinary. It's God that's chosen you and God's ordained you and God's handpicked you. This is what he has for you. There's things that God created for you and God created you for. And when you get into that place that God created for you and what God created you for, guess what? Marvelous things are about to happen. You haven't chosen me, but I've chosen you and I've ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. In other words, did you know what? I have a desire in the calling that God's given me as minister of the gospel, as a pastor in the body of Christ. I've started, this is my second church, but I have a desire that these churches will remain until Jesus comes and that they'll remain healthy and they'll remain strong and they'll continue to give life to the communities which they serve. And I've asked Jesus for that and I believe it's going to happen. 
It's still happening. I believe it's going to continue to happen. He says, it's not, you know what? I didn't handpick myself to go to Kit Carson, Colorado and preach. Jesus handpicked me. And Jesus called me to go to Kit Carson, Colorado and preach. And I preached there for 13 years. I pastored that church where God sent us that we built. And I didn't handpick myself to come to Colorado Springs. In fact, I argued with God about coming to Colorado Springs. And the reason that I argued with him, I said, there's lots of churches in Colorado Springs and there's lots of, you know, people there. Why would you have me go to Colorado Springs? Now, Barbara had been telling me for two years, need to go to Colorado Springs. I said, honey, I'm too busy. I'm going to the mission field. I'm teaching. I'm doing other things. I, I can't do that right now. You need to go to Colorado Springs. Start a Bible study. Get on the radio. Honey, I'm busy. <laughs> but, you know, you know, you finally come to the end of yourself. Have you ever been there? And you're like, I, I don't, this is not really it. So there's got to be more. And you call out on the Lord, and then the Lord says, I, I want you to pastor. Yes, sir, Jesus, I pastor. All right. Well, I really don't want to start another church. I told Andrew this. He came to Kit Carson to preach for me in 2000, April. And, and I said, and, you know, the Lord had laid it on my heart, and I gave him an offering, and he put it in his pocket, said, now come with me to North Carolina. I'm going to be preaching there in September. I said, okay. So I went and preached for another guy for Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Then I went to see Andrew and was with him Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And we would walk every night to the meetings. And so on one of the nights we were walking the meeting, I said, Andrew, uh, we know that God wants us to pastor somewhere else, but we don't know where it is. And I don't really want to start a church. It's lots of work to start a church. But maybe God wants us to start a church. And we thought some about Colorado Springs, but... You know, I, I really don't know about coming to Colorado Springs. There's lots of other churches and ministries and things. I don't know why I would need to go there. And Andrew said, there's nobody like you. <laughs> and he said, then there's not a lot of people preaching the word. He said, I think you need to come to Colorado Springs. He said, I think that'd be good. I think you'd do well. But guess what? You can't build a church on Andrew's word. You've got to build a church on Jesus' word. But see, the, the thought was there. I talked to him and he gave me his opinion, which I greatly respect. In fact, we just had a meeting a while ago. I said, Andrew, in my life, you've given me about 20 words of wisdom and words of knowledge. And 19 of them have been right on. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's, that's pretty good. Amen. That's pretty good. And, and I said, I really respect you because when you give me those words, I'm listening for what the Holy Ghost is saying to me. And, and so I can move forward. The Bible says, neglect not the, the, the word that was given to you by prophecy. Meditate on these things. Give yourself wholly to them that your profiting may appear to all. So I said, his, his word's been very accurate. But then in, in January 4th, 2001, just, you know, that was September, January, not very long. I was sitting in my office at Car Kit Carson at my church, just minding up my own business, you know. I was either reading my Bible or praying, but I was just sitting there at, the, at my desk kind of meditating. And the Holy Spirit spoke it so big on the inside of me. He said, go to Colorado Springs and start a church, Caris Christian Center. I went home at lunch, said, Barbara, we're going to Colorado Springs, starting a church, Caris Christian Center. She said, you better get with it. <laughs> I called Andrew up on Sunday afternoon. He said, you better get with it. Mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, amen. But anyway, there's, there's a calling, there's a plan, there's a purpose for, for, for your life. God, and then, then a few years later, we're here pastoring the church about eight years ago. Andrew, Andrew gets, comes and speaks for us and, and he gave us a word and he, he said, you're in the second stage of a five-stage plan that God has for your life and ministry. Wow. You know, eight years ago, I've been in ministry 26 years, so 
you know, this is what? 18 years into it, <laughs> the Lord says I'm in the second stage of a five-stage plan. I'm like, that's good. I prayed about it that week. I believe that I know what stage three, four, and five are. In fact, we've, already, we've entered into stage three. But there's two more stages of outreach that are, I believe will come out of this church that will go beyond anything that we've done up to this present point. In fact, Dr. Lester Sumrall said this, this would be something to be good for a lot of you here. He said, nothing that I have done and nothing that I am doing is nearly as great as what I'm going to do for Jesus. And he said, I've lived with that principle. The best is always yet to come in Jesus. All right, make a demand based on your will and me and based on my word in you, based on my work through you. Let's look at this in John chapter 16. And we'll look at verse 23 to verse 26. And in that day, he's talking about the day that he's raised from the dead, the day he sends the Holy Spirit. You will ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Before now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time comes when I will no more show you in Proverbs, but I will show you plainly of the Father. At that day you will ask in my name, and I say not to you, I will pray the Father uh, for you. Basically, this is saying, ask me or make a demand based on my spirit in you and my intercession before the Father. You see, when we go to the Father in Jesus' name, Hebrews chapter 7 says He ever lives to make intercession for those of us who come to God by Him or through Him. Today, we go to the Father and He, he says, ask me based on my Spirit. And the Spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of us based on my Spirit in you and my intercession before the Father. And what Jesus is really doing before the Father, if you study this out in Romans 8, chapter 8, 26, 27, 28, Jesus is in heaven before the Father and He's praying the perfect will of God for you. And, and when you start praying in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost comes and the Holy Ghost makes intercession for you in agreement with what Jesus is getting from the Father in the Father's throne room. God has a will. He promised it. Jesus paid for it. And the Holy Ghost gives you the power to receive it. So when you be begin to understand what this New Testament aspect of asking means, it means not to just be a beggar. You're not a beggar. You're a son. You're a child of the Almighty God. In fact, my son Peter's working right now for a major U.S. corporation, but he's, he's got engaged, so he's getting ready to move so he can be by his fiance. And, and so in that he's getting ready to move so that he can be uh, there before he, with his fiance, he, he's filling out some job applications. And, and I was praying for him, like I told you in the night, and I was on my couch praying in tongues and praying in the Holy Ghost. And as I was praying in tongues and praying in the Holy Ghost, the Lord gave me a word. And, and he, I said, son, he has favor in the face. And I said, I said, Peter, I said, I want you to know that you have favor in the face. You have favor in the face of God and in the eyes of man. And whenever you get a face-to-face -face interview, the job is yours. It comes from Num Numbers chapter 6, if you study out, when Moses blessed the children of Israel. He said, Daddy, he said at my church, and he goes to a good spirit-filled church in Miami. He, he, he said, Daddy, he, he, said, he said at my church, every time they take up the offering, they read that scripture over us. I didn't know that. 
I was, I was praying for him and God gave me the scripture. And so I said, I want you to know you have favor in the face of God and you have favor in the eyes of man. Hallelujah. Make a demand. And so once I told him, we start making some demands based on Christ's work and based on the spirit in us and his intercession before the father. So we look at this, we make a demand or we ask based on my name and based on his work. We make a demand based on his will in me and his word in us. We make a demand based on his work through us. And we make a demand based on his spirit in us and Christ's intercession before the father. In other words, there is a fundamental change in the way that we pray. We pray based on our relationship with Christ and our position in him. Remember, we have been restored to a position of authority through Jesus Christ. We are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ. The devil is under our feet. We are complete in him, Colossians 2, verse 9 and 10 says, who is the head of all principality and authority. We are complete in him. We lack nothing. We have everything we need to do everything God's called us to do. We have no lack in any area of our life. We are blessed and highly favored of the Lord. So we're in Christ and in him we have authority. Now, when you begin to understand this, Matthew 18, Jesus said this, whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. In other words, you're here and you're binding on earth. You're seated in heavenly places, but you're binding on earth. Our place of authority is this earth. This is our place of authority. This is not the devil's place. The earth is the Lord and the fullness of it. Satan's still the God of this world, but there's a time coming when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he'll reign forever and ever, and we're going to reign with him. But right now, we have authority on the earth. It's still our place. And we're taking our God-given position of authority. We're taking authority. Whatever we bind is bound. Whatever we loose is loose. In other words, if you don't like the way it is, you take authority. You make some demands. Do something about it. We're the head, not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We're blessed. We're not cursed. He says, if two or, th two or three of you shall agree is touching anything that you ask, if it be done for them, for my Father which is in heaven, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The third thing, the last thing in this part, the fundamental change the way we pray, it's based on our new position in Christ. We take authority in him, we bind and loose, and his spirit creates in us desire. Now, now look at this. In Mark chapter 11, verse 24, Jesus said this. He said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. I want to turn that around a little bit. I want to say it this way. When you pray, when you get in the presence of God, whatsoever things you desire, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. See, not only is this there this general overall will of God for all of humanity, we know what that is from the Word. But God has a very specific plan for your life. There are things that God has created for you and God has created you for. And when you get those things together, guess what? You're getting ready to unleash heaven on earth. And so he says, I want you, because of that, to make some demand. What things soever you desire when you pray? When you pray, what are the things that come to the top? What do you desire when you pray? Believe that you receive it. And you shall have it. 
and go out there and make some demands, begin to pray in a different way, begin to take your God-given authority. What are we doing with God, what God has given us? Ultimately, I, I like something that Dr. Lester Sumrall said, and they have an announcement to make, so just wait one minute. I'll make this last statement. Dr. Lester Sumrall said this. He said, take it. It's yours. Amen? In other words, Jesus already, God already promised it. Jesus already paid for it. The Holy Spirit already gave you the power to get it. So go get it. Go take it in the name of Jesus. Okay, we got an announcement. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111, or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.